0: Father, we come and we are grateful for this opportunity as we hear these stories, Lord, of your great and infinite love to reach down and save, to save from so many different kinds of backgrounds. All of it is sin, but so deceptive in the various philosophies of life and the various religions. No wonder people are so turned off to religion, Lord. It doesn't do any good. It's just more bondage. We thank you, Lord, that you delivered us. You've set us free. You've given us a, the real purpose for living. You've filled the very essence of our beings. And we're so grateful, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Picture the scene. It's Saturday morning. You just had breakfast. Nice, sunshiny day. You're at home. You're going to relax, or you have plans to go out. And Suddenly, you hear a... at the front door. You open the door. Nice-looking couple. He's dressed well. She's dressed well. They both have smiles. One has this interesting green little book in his hand and starts asking you some probing questions like, have you considered the meaning of life? And at first you don't know exactly what is the deal. You don't know if it's a Christian or what exactly he's going to say. But then he starts talking about, he gives you his magazine, The Watchtower or The Awake. And ask you about your background, and you say, well, I'm a born-again Christian. And as if gears just click, he spins off question after question that you don't have time to answer as quickly because he won't give you the time. As soon as he catches you off guard on one question and you seek to answer it, he'll move you to another scripture and to another scripture Do you really think that the Bible says Jesus is God, you've been duped, and all of a sudden you feel your pulse rising. Your palms are getting sweaty. You know that you should answer, but you have no idea what to say or what to do. Do I slam the door in Jesus' name? Do I invite him in? Or do I stand at the door and share my faith boldly and unravel all of those twisted questions and leadings that he's been giving me? That is a typical dilemma. And many, if not most, Christians find themselves at a loss of words or what to do in that given situation. Most will simply say, I'm a Christian. I've got my own faith. Leave me alone. You're wrong. Slam. That happens very often because people feel intimidated and ill-equipped to give good answers to questions raised by the cults. In the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the cults and the occult. And we have several films that we're going to be bringing in that are well-documented All about the various cults, other religions, the occult, the new age, so that we can be informed and equipped to share with them. Um, I found an article from the Los Angeles Times about Creststone, Colorado, little town. Quote religious tolerance, and that is the buzzword. Religious tolerance has long been a source of pride in this former mining town at the base of Colorado's Sangre de Cristo mountain range, where 300 town folk worship Christ, Buddha, or Hindu fire gods, and then attend civic picnics together. Fifteen years ago, a philanthropic foundation began granting land to a major spiritual movements with the intention of creating a haven for the traditional religious practices. But the tolerance began to show strains two years ago after the arrival of a new group which obeys a celestial master with the commandment to keep the world from wobbling off its axis. The formula? Build a 396-foot-high pink granite pyramid near Crestone, with an obsidian cap that rings to the tone of A. That is what will save the world from toppling off its axis. Scientifically proven by the master who gave this uh, instruction. Toleration, tolerance. One of the things that really bugs people really bothers them, gets them hot under the collar, gets them agitated, fidgety, is someone who claims to know absolute truth. And a society that is given to believing anything and welcoming anybody who does or a city that does would have a hard time. As Chet was talking about the church he attended, and they would accept anybody, even born-again Christians, well, they wouldn't accept him for very long if he's truly a born-again Christian. Because he'd be saying things like, hey, do you know Jesus said I'm the only way to heaven? And those kind of statements wouldn't fare well in an environment like that. We live, and this is simply an introduction to what you're going to hear in the next several weeks, just to get a basis so that we kind of have a head start. Um, well Let's just begin. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. As I see people getting up and moving toward the back, uh, welcome to do that, but they're not going to let you in uh, once you slip out those doors so that we avoid distractions. Second Corinthians 11, verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Verse 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it, or you may well tolerate it. Different Jesus, different spirit, a different gospel. It's not the same as given by the apostles. Paul rebukes them because they would just put up with it. Now, here we are as Christians who meet once, twice, three times, sometimes more depending on who you are and your schedule and your family status. You meet for fellowship during the week. We gather together, we celebrate Jesus Christ, we worship Him, but we are surrounded by a world, by a society, by a media that does not share our values. What kind of a value system, what kind of an age do we live in? Well, first of all, we live in an age of relativism, where truth is not absolute, it is relative. There's no universal base of right and wrong, they say. No singular absolute value system that should be imposed across the board for everybody at all time. Rather, you might believe something, and if I don't believe it, and I think you're wrong, the typical answer would be, well, it's all relative. Question, relative to what? Answer, relative to the person or the individual who's making up the value system or who holds the value system. And so you'd say, you think that's wrong. It may be wrong for you, but it's relative. It is not wrong for me. And so man begins building his system from himself outwardly and he is the criteria of that value system. In that type of a society, people get very uncomfortable when you say, I know the truth, and I know the way to heaven. They get very uncomfortable because we live in an age of relativism. Secondly, it's an age of syncretism. Don't let that term throw you. It just means you just take it all and it's like uh, it's like army food. You just put it all on the plate and mix it all up, and it's all part of something, but you just eat it all as one meal. One is, part is as good as the other part. And so you take Christianity and Buddhism and Taoism and this-ism and thatism, and you put it all together and take your pick. One is as good as the other. It's an age of syncretism. Uh, a big movement that has been going on, it's not really all that new anymore, but it's called the New Age And it's gained such ground that you cannot go into a bookstore without seeing some hint of the new age. Non-Christian or Christian bookstore. Either there's books purporting the new age in a secular bookstore, or there's apologetic books written on how to speak to those people who are in the new age if it's a Christian bookstore. Go into a place where there's magazines like a coffee shop. Not our coffee shop, but other coffee shops. And you'll see a whole section on the New Age. Or music stores, there's New Age music that's become very, very popular. And there are New Age churches. That's what they call themselves. Simply occultic organizations with the veneer and the name of a church over it. They are cultic or occultic. They deceive and they are deceived, yet they have the name church over them. Well... With this trend, what can you expect? What's coming down the pike? Well, a lot of things. I've collected several bits of literature from uh, various backgrounds throughout life. One nurse in our fellowship gave me this booklet on how to renew, refresh, and revitalize yourself if you are in the area here. Uh, It's a professional development program for nurses on continuing education uh clinical updates, stress management, a nursing review. And here's one. Tai Chi. Uh, this is offered publicly uh, for continuing education, principles and practice for healthcare professionals, Tai Chi. Now if you know Tai Chi, it's a Taoist philosophy based on the yin and the yang, where you have opposing yet complementary forces that hold the universe in order. And of course Nurses and professionals need that in their education. And you're starting to see in businesses, in government, in the professional realms, all sorts of seminars that are nothing less than the old lies covered in the name New Age. And in some businesses, they require that you take them. That's what you can expect. I have an article from the Albuquerque Journal also, what you can expect if you're a parent. These are new books and aids that are coming out for parenting. And the Albuquerque Journal article says, quote, New Age parents raise their children on the four winds, tarot cards, goddesses, and crystals. The spirit within they can't do without. But how to convey that nebulous concept to your kids? And they wring their hands in worry. What if little Johnny rebels and grows up to be, say, a devout Baptist? To the rescue comes the spiritual parenting in the New Age. For the price of 10.95, a guide to parents on the cutting edge of the broad New Age movement. The writers in this anthology range from witches to Buddhists, but their approach is that spirituality, listen carefully, should be a living thing in the family, not something you dish out on Sunday. You get the jab? Not something... Who who dishes what out on Sunday? Churches dish out the gospel on Sunday. Well, that's not what it ought to be. It ought to be something, they say, more living. There are expos in this part of the country, but I was interested. A friend of mine who has a spiritual counterfix project up in the Bay Area went to the ninth Annual All-World Exposition. You know, ranges from how to grow vegetables to how to contact the Christ within yourself. And he said as he came into the parking lot, just looking at the bumper stickers on the cars, you know, it was sort of a dead giveaway. Uh, One bumper sticker said, This car is higher powered. Another one said, may the quartz be with you. There, there's a general sentiment across the board at the world, New World Expo and the All World Expo and the New Age movement. Basically this. All religion is the same. Religion is religion. Take your pick. As we've put it this way before, it's like an eight-lane freeway, all leading to the same general direction. You just pick your lane, whether it's um, you're a Baptist, a Protestant, or a Catholic, or a Buddhist, or a Hindu. We're all moving toward God. All paths lead to God. Another friend of mine, Don Stewart, was lecturing at a university, and as he was talking about the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ and a case for Christianity, a Muslim student in the crowd stood up and he said, Mr. Stewart, look at it this way. Let's say you invite ten people to your house. And you invite them into your backyard and you blindfold them before they get into your backyard and you put an elephant back there. And you tell these ten people to stand around the elephant and describe what they see. Now, those ten people are going to just touch ten different areas of the elephant. Will their descriptions all agree Answer, of course not. They won't all be exactly the same. So he said, well, that's how religion is. You see, you've got all of these separate expressions of the same God, but they're just different ways to express God. Now that sounds like, wow, yeah, ooh, that's great, that's novel, I'll remember that. But there's a basic problem with that premise. The premise of that question that the student asked, Don Stewart, the premise is that the gods of all of the religions of life are the same. And they're just described differently. It's the same God, just a different description. But it implies that the gods of these religions are all the same. If that were true, you would expect some consistency, would you not, with all these religions? you'd expect some form of consistency, especially over the very essential teachings and what they say are truths about their God. Just like the elephant. Okay, you might have a different description, but the skin of the elephant is roughly going to feel the same all the way around. The heat of the elephant will probably be about the same all the way around. The heartbeat, whether you take the pulse from uh, the back end or the front end, will probably be the same there are certain things that are consistent with that elephant because it is the same elephant. But if you examine all of the smorgasbord of religions and you examine their description and view of God, you find them to be not complementary or consistent, but to be very opposite. For instance, if you were to read some of the Eastern books, the uh, Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads of Indian religion, Their God is very, very different. They teach monism, and that is that everything is God and God is everything. It's the liberating truth of the New Age. It has come from the East, has filtered into the West, and their flagship saying is, the universe is a seamless garment. In other words, there's no difference between Creator and creation. The world is a seamless garment. Then there's Buddhism that teaches that God is impersonal. He's more of a force rather than a unique person that presides over his creation. Christian science says life, truth, and love constitute the triune person called God. God the Father slash Mother Christ, the spiritual idea of sonship. These are ideas. These are concepts. These are forces. Well, the Bible teaches that God is creator of creation and He's not the same as His creation. He's separate and distinct from His creation. He maintains it, but He's separate from it. The Bible teaches that God is personal. He's not a force. The Bible also teaches there are are not many gods, but only one God and only one way to get to that God. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, it is true that all of those religions and all of those systems could all be wrong, but they couldn't all be right given their definition of God because they are mutually exclusive. So to say, well, they're all the same, just a different description, look at the elephant. It's not a wise analogy or a wise statement. All you have to do is examine the claims of Jesus Christ. Usually people who say, doesn't matter what you believe. You can be Hindu, you can be Buddhist, you can be Christian. We all believe the same. Jesus taught this stuff. And they'll throw out a little scripture that they've heard. I'll bet you they've never read it. I'll bet you they've never read the New Testament. They couldn't have. There was Thomas who said, We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Thomas, listen. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive. Listen to it in the Wiest translation, a very literal Greek translation of the New Testament. I alone, in contradistinction to all others, am the road and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, whether you believe that or not, the point is, with sayings like that, Christianity is not compatible with other belief systems. It is not compatible at all. It is set apart. Also, we live in an age not only of relativism and syncretism, we live in an age of me-ism. Now, that's not a word you'll find in your dictionary. I made it up. Meism. It's all for me. What's in it for me? Let me find a religion that I like, that serves me the best. I'm not interested in glorifying God or serving that God or finding out the truth. I want something that makes me feel good when I wake up and when I go to bed. It's an age of me-ism. I found another article. It was an article about children growing up in this umbrella of the new age and what parents can expect. The authors of Shopping for Enlightenment, that's the name of their book, Shopping for Enlightenment, suggest that these are the toys for kids, and they're being invented. Crystal pacifiers, the cosmic Barbie doll, and self-love dolls. Quote, a doll fashioned in your own image. Send a photo. It will give you unlimited opportunity to kiss, hug, and cuddle yourself. It has a zippered pocket which opens to reveal the God within you. Meism. Another article from Newsweek magazine suggested with the rise in spirituality in our country that Perhaps the best, what they called the quintessential baby boomer church, may well be the Unitarian Universalist Association, which emphasizes that each individual is the ultimate source of authority. They will take you and put you in the building and confer upon you the right to make your own decisions. Of course you do, but say, you are your own reality. You invent your own truth. And whatever truth you invent, we will come alongside you, pat you on the back, put a smile on our face as we look into your, shake your head and say, that's right for you. The Baby Boomer Church. Now the next several weeks, we want to show you great film footage. On cults and occults and non-Christian religions. And you'll have explained the difference between what a cult is, what a non-Christian religion is, and uh, the occult itself. We're going to find out what orthodox Christianity is. And what is the difference? And does it really matter? First of all, just a couple preliminaries in the minutes that we have left. What is a cult? Let me give you a working definition for the next several weeks. a cult is simply a perversion, a distortion of truth passed down historically in Christianity. The historic Christian, what we say orthodox or straight line truth, that has always been passed down, that the body of Christians have always held to from the time of the apostles till now. There are variations. There's people who disagree about this and that. But there are kernels, there are essentials, there are cardinal doctrines that make a Christian a Christian and a person who doesn't believe them a cultist. An occultist is somebody who perverts or distorts that cardinal truth. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, the first chapter, for just a moment. Paul already talked about another Jesus and another gospel. Now, to the church at Galatia, in chapter 1, in verse 6, after a few introductory remarks, he gets right to it. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Strange phrase, different gospel. You say, I thought there was only one gospel. Well, there is, and so he qualifies his statement. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert or to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, oh, that's interesting, even if you get an apparition, even if you pick up somebody on the road that says, I'm an angel. You know what? If you pick up someone, ask them a few questions. Drill them a little bit. If they're a true angel, they won't be offended. They'll be delighted. Ask them about Jesus Christ and and just kind of hammer the essentials. If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what you have has been preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, we live in an age where angels are very, very popular. There's little angel amulets. There's little angel statues. There's books on angels all around. Okay, great. But if we or an angel preach any other gospel, let him be the Greek word anathema. Cursed below the lowest hell is the literal translation. Can't get any more solid than that. As we have said before, but now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Now, one final scripture. Turn with me to Jude 3. We've gone through this before. Let's refresh our memories. Jude. There's only one chapter in that book. It's the book right before Revelation. Verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting to contend earnestly for the faith. Perhaps a better translation, I've seen it written, is put up a good fight for the faith. Defend an apologetic contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So a cult is a group that takes the essential kernels of Christianity, distorts and perverts them, and will polarize people around the teachings of some kind of charismatic leader and will hold to the teachings of that leader even more so Than the Bible, or his or her interpretation of the Bible, rather than letting the Holy Spirit guide them. In fact, in many cases, many of these cults, you are told not to interpret it, let me interpret it for you, because you are a spiritual dunce, and I have a hotline with heaven. So if you want to know what God wants for your life, just come to me and I'll open up the scripture and I'll tell you exactly what God wants for you. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to see both cults and non-Christian religions. A couple of characteristics, a few characteristics, if you're taking notes. Features that all cults include. It's pretty standard among all cults. There are just certain characteristics or features about them. Number one, they will say that all other groups are wrong except them. They're very narrow-minded. Well, it's nice that there's so much interest But God has given us the secret knowledge. We are the group. We are the only representation of truth upon the earth. Many groups like that. The Unification Church says that Sun, Young, Moon is the one that has the truth. Christians have been duped. And Sun, Young, Moon has come to reveal God's truth for this generation. He's not the only one. But he did say, quote, we are the only people who truly understand the heart of Jesus, the anguish of Jesus, and the hope of Jesus. The only ones. Not only does Moon say that, the Mormon church has traditionally taught that Christianity was in apostasy for 18 centuries until God revealed the truth to Joseph Smith, Jr. That is on record. In their own writings, the Journal of Discourses, the Mormon Church says, quote, What does the Christian world now know about God? Nothing. Why? So far as the things of God are concerned, they are the veriest of fools. They, I don't think veriest is really a word. They know neither God nor the things of God. I'll never forget The night I laid my eyes on a young man sitting right over here, second or third row up in front. My eyes caught him because he was dressed in a suit. He had very short hair, which is fine, but more of an oddity around here. (laughs) Most people just come cash. Now, sometimes Sunday morning we'll dress up and we kind of feel like it, but not only was he... Young and had a suit on, but he had a badge on. Kind of gave it away. So I went up to him afterwards as he was talking with some of the people. And, oh, he couldn't have been more than 20, but he had the term elder so-and-so. And And I knew he was from the LDS, Latter-day Saints Mormon Church. I said, what are you doing here? I didn't say, what are you doing here? I was curious, what are you doing here? He goes, I've come to just fellowship. I said, really? And uh, we watched them as they would look around and take certain people under their wings and talk to them. I said, you've come to proselyze, haven't you? Well, you know, the opportunity comes up. I said, I'd like to meet you in my office this week. Let's talk about these things. Well, that's what we want. We want a dialogue. We want a dialogue. Great. Come in my office. Sat down with these two elders, a younger and an elder. Elder. <laughs> we had a good conversation. We went around and we went through the typical Christian perspective versus Mormon perspective. And... Uh, you know, he talked about the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price and doctrines of covenants, all that which they say is scripture to be equal to the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And we pointed out that there's archaeological flaws and doctrinal flaws in the their writings and showed them why. And we showed them letters from Brigham Young University. Their own professors say that it's flawed and just showed them the evidence in a very mild manner. We tried. Finally, the younger, his eyes welled up with tears. And at first I felt so bad. He welled up with tears and he he was choked up. He said, it hurts me to see the body of Christ torn apart like this. I said, I won't buy the tears. Don't push that stuff on me, man. Don't tell me I'm attacking when for... The last few hundred years, the Mormon church has said, you've all been wrong for 1,800 years, and it's time that we restore the true gospel. It is the Mormon church that has attacked Christianity that makes us stand and give a good defense for the faith. We're not attacking you. We're defending your attack on the authentic historic gospel. So you can cry all you want, but I won't buy it. I said, I want you to turn to a scripture. It's the scripture we just read. Jude 3. Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. I had him read that. And I had him read it three times in a row out loud. He kind of got a little agitated at me. And I said, do you see what that means? He goes, well, yeah. I said, no, look at what it means. It says the faith, that's the body of Christian faith, Once for all delivered to the saints. I said, do you have any idea when that was penned? I said, it was penned around 70 A.D. Which means around 70 A.D. The body of Christian faith was over as far as God's revelation is concerned. God isn't writing any new books of the Bible, any new passages of Scripture. It's over. Once for all time is the idea. Delivered to the saints. I said, can you explain then doctrines and covenants and the pearl of great price and your prophets? He couldn't give me an explanation. But characteristic of the cults, all other churches are wrong. And there's no objective way to test it. It's just what we say. This is we know we're prophets of God and that's just the way it is. And often they will say the Bible is inadequate. You need us. Number two, an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. In almost every cult, you will see the deity of Jesus Christ attacked either by lowering Him to just being a man or a nice guy or sort of a prophet or elevating man up to be a god. One of those two things will happen to diminish or take away from the deity of Christ. That's what Paul meant when he said in 2 Corinthians 11, which we read at first, for if he who comes preaches... Another Jesus whom we have not preached, you may well put up with it. The Jesus of the Jehovah Witnesses is not the New Testament Jesus. The Jesus of the Mormons is not the New Testament Jesus. The Jesus of the Muslims is not the New Testament Jesus. Oh, they use the same terms, but it's the meaning that is attached to those terms. They make all the difference in the world. Ask them to define their terms. I believe in Jesus. Who is Jesus? Is He, as the Bible says, the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh to remedy the disease of mankind, sin and separation, and ultimate retribution of a holy God upon sinful man? Is that your Jesus? Well, no. Close, but no. Then it's another Jesus. The Unitarians say Jesus is... No more or less divine than any other man. The Jehovah Witnesses say Jesus is not God, but God's first created creature, i.e. Michael the Archangel, they say. Christian science says, quote, If there had never existed such a person as this Galilean prophet, it would make no difference to me. Mormonism, quote, Among the spirit children of Elohim, that's who Jesus is, one of the children of God. Quote, By obedience and devotion, Jesus attained to the pinnacle of intelligence which ranked him as a God even in his pre-existent state. They lower him. Thirdly, cults will deny that man is a sinner and that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. They deny that man is a sinner by nature or by choice. And that we are saved by faith or by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Well, the Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That was his purpose statement that he shared in the New Testament. To call sinners to repentance, he said. Yet Christian science says, quote, sin, evil, and death do not exist. In science and health, they state, quote, since God is all, there is no room for the opposite. Therefore, evil being opposite of goodness is not real. They will also say, quote, I sacrifice. One sacrifice, however great, is not sufficient to pay the debt of sin. Now listen to that. One sacrifice, in other words, Jesus on the cross, however great, is insufficient to pay the debt of sin. The material blood of Jesus Christ was no more efficacious to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon that accursed tree than when flowing in his veins as he went about his daily business. Then many of these cults will say, rather, the way you get to heaven is by doing what we tell you, reading our books, and A system of works. You are saved by belief in Jesus Christ and your continued membership and work in the Mormon church or whatever it might be. Whatever cult it might be. They will attach something to the doctrine of Christ. They pervert the gospel of Christ. And the whole book of Galatians is about people who took salvation by grace through faith and added some works to it. That was the main problem of that writing. Number four, cults believe that the statements of their leaders are the claims uh, to interpret the Bible are the claims they ought to believe. They will rally around the claims of some leader as he interprets the Bible. These cults will believe, they say, the Bible. They say, oh yeah, we believe in the Bible. But they believe the interpretations only of their leaders. Or they distort the teachings of the Bible to suit their own system. For instance, classical thing. The Jehovah Witnesses will come to your door with a little green Bible called the New World Translation. Every Greek scholar of any consequence will say it's the absolute worst translation. It's not even fit to be called a translation. And uh, they will take words out and they will put words in that are not there. Uh, for instance, in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or literally, God was the Word, they will insert the word a. And the Word was a God. So here you have the Jehovah Witnesses in saying, well, the Bible says Jesus is a God. Now they've got a bigger problem because they say there's only one God, now they've got two. But virtually every Greek translation doesn't say that but theirs. And there are many mistakes like that. Then you ask them, "Uh, could I see a list of your Greek translators? Usually Bibles have them in the back somewhere, or you can write for them. They're not available. They don't want you to know who botched it up that badly. (laughs) Yet they were polarized around the interpretations of their leaders the article of faith of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Quote, we believe the Bible to be the Word of God insofar as it is correctly translated. You know what that means? We decide when it's correctly translated or not. They have, of course, the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants, as we already mentioned. Uh, Christian Science flatly says the Bible is mistaken. We have the teachings of Mary Baker Eddy, Science and Health, to tell you. Unification Church has Reverend Sun Young Moon's the divine principle, which they say is truth because they say the Bible is incomplete and Jesus didn't finish his mission. Number five, there are others, but false prophecy. They claim here. Here's the catch. They claim we're God's divine mouthpiece, divine prophet. Yet, claiming to be of divine origin, they repeatedly make mistakes and are proven to be false prophets because they make false predictions. Armstrongism, the worldwide church of God, has made many false prophecies, predictions that never happen. Of course, the Jehovah Witnesses are infamous for this. Uh, 1914, 1925, when they said Jesus came, they said, quote, all present governments will be overthrown and dissolved in the year 1914 didn't happen, so they changed it a few times and they continue to do so. But they said back then, quote, The full establishment of the kingdom of God on earth will be A.D. 1914. Have you seen it? Is this the kingdom of God? If it is, I'm very disappointed. It's not. It hasn't happened. Now, question comes up and we'll end with this. Does it matter? Skip. Does it really matter? They're so sincere. It isn't really all that that matters is that you believe something wholeheartedly, you cling to it tenaciously, and you're sincere. Let me answer that question like Jesus might have, with a question: If there's a blind man on the edge of a cliff and he doesn't know which way to step, would you tell him it? doesn't really matter which way you step as long as you're sincere. (laughs) Hey, there's truth at stake here. This man is blind. It matters a great deal. Or if you go to a doctor and he says, I regret to inform you, you have cancer. We've run the test. It's a carcinoma that is malignant. Now, you can go home, do whatever you do normally, or I can Treat it. I can operate on it or we can run you through some therapeutic things, radiation or chemical, whatever. We can treat it. I can operate on it. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. As long as you do whatever you do in a sincere fashion, you're going to be all right. Uh, If he said that to you, wouldn't you take him to the medical board and say, There's a quack trying to operate on me. There are cases where truth is absolutely essential and sincerity doesn't make a bag of beans. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Oh, but I believe with all my heart that I'm a banana. And I'm sincere. I'm sorry you're not a banana. You can believe all day long, but if you objectively test it, it won't be found to be true. Sincerity is not the issue here. And the thing about Christianity that you must realize, and it should cause you to rejoice... It is objective, not just subjective. It's verifiable. It's verifiable. In Christianity, it's not, oh, it's just that you have faith and you have a lot of faith. What marks Christianity apart is the object in which that faith is placed. Not just, I believe in something, but I believe in Jesus because Jesus historically came, historically died, historically physically rose from the dead, There's a bunch of prophecy to back it up. There's archaeological evidence to back it up. And I can believe with all of my heart and also all of my mind. It's the object in which that faith is placed. By the way, you're on dangerous ground. Just think about it. If you make sincerity the criteria, as long as you're sincere. That's a dangerous place to be because, admit it, there are times when you are less sincere and more sincere. And what about the times you're less sincere? I don't know if I'm going to make it. I guess I'm not this spiritual person because sincerity is an emotion oftentimes or it's accompanied by a strong emotion. Okay, as we close tonight and we get ready for the film series in the next few weeks, let's be careful of a couple of extremes. Extreme number one, tearing down other people. We want to avoid that. And please keep something in mind. When we say the Mormon church teaches, the Jehovah Witnesses teach, or this system teaches, we're not attacking the people who may be very sincerely duped by those teachings. They may be held captive by the enemy in those teachings. They may not know any better. We want to know so that we can draw them out. We're not coming against the person holding the belief We're coming against the belief system. Do you see the difference? It's a big difference. It's the same thing that you would say to somebody who has a sexually transmitted disease. Let's say a person is a homosexual and has contracted AIDS. You can love the sinner and yet speak out against the sin. It's not unloving because you hold a different value system. You love that person. Love means you tell people truth. And where systems divert from the Bible, you want to expose them. But we want to be careful not to tramps upon or tear down other people. Secondly, the other extreme is on the other end. That We can get so bogged down, we want to be so sensitive, we just kind of end up in syrupy sentimentalism and really don't have anything to say, that's right, that's wrong. We want to avoid both of those extremes. In short, let's be like the Bereans, Acts 17.11. They listened to what Paul said. They received it with joy, but they searched the Scriptures on their own daily to see if these things be so. Don't let any pastor, Bible teacher, evangelist say, this is what I said, this is what the Bible says, don't question me, just believe it. Flashing red light if you hear that. Rather, search the Scripture on your own because the Spirit of God dwells in you to see if these things be so. I like what I read about the Bible. I am the Bible, God's wonderful library. I am always and above all the truth. To the weary pilgrim, I am a strong staff. To the one who sits in darkness, I'm a glorious light. To those who stumble beneath heavy burdens, I am sweet rest. To him who has lost his way, I am safe ground. To those who are sick in sin, I am healing strength and I am forgiveness. To the discouraged, I'm a glad message of hope. To those who are distressed and tossed about by the storms of life, I'm an anchor, sure and steadfast. To those who search for salvation, I reveal the Savior of the world. And that is the center of the Bible, Jesus Christ. And usually that's the center of the controversy. Who is Jesus? As we'll discover in weeks to come. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful tonight that You have given us, You've deposited once for all the body of faith, truth, delivered to the saints. It's all that we need, all that pertains to life and godliness comes through the knowledge of You. Jesus Christ Himself said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And how often we see Jesus upholding the Scriptures as the solid basis of authority and in Himself as the one through which we receive salvation. Oh, we're so grateful for that liberty. I pray, Lord, that we would rest easy in Christ and yet be restless in spirit to know the truth and to know it well enough to not slam doors, but to lead others to Christ in Jesus.